Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your humble and horse host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Just Clark Barnes, Mr. Class Jordan Smith, and the man, the myth, the legend, Ginger Nick. Guys, how was everyone's first week of NFL football? It's great, Pete. It was the best week of football <laughs> yeah. to start Jordan. a season of all time. Jordan, how's your, uh, how's your heart rate? How's your blood pressure? You know what? It it's good. I aged like ten years last <laughs> night in one half, and then slowly but surely, I just started to feel so good. I was all ready to basically have this entire podcast be devoted to why we can't have good things, and just talking about Aaron Rodgers and how injuries are just the worst thing in all professional sports, and how they make everything stupid and dumb. And then he comes out and gives us the second greatest one-legged performance in Packers history behind Greg Jennings' 100-yard touchdown with a broken leg. Yeah, I was literally ready to turn the game off. As soon as he went down, I was like, that's an ACL. Like, yeah, it's done. Exactly. over. Like, what's the point of this anymore? And I'm like, at least I can cheer for whoever I want against the Packers that may be on my fantasy squads. But I, I was ready to, to call it. I watched it on mute, which I highly recommend. You watched it just just because yeah. you could make up your own narrative because of Collinsworth. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. Good God, it was pretty uh, funny though. Towards the end, Alan, uh, Chris Collinsworth, they just sounded like they were drunk because they had no idea what they were watching. Like they couldn't make anything of it. They're like, "Uh, what? The, what's going on right now?" They were. I mean, it was an amazing performance, and good job by Aaron Rodgers getting back out there and like balling hard. Uh, they were pitching this as like the greatest football game that they had ever witnessed in their life for like a week one game to start the season. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe a, a little, a little exaggerating there, Al and Chris. It was gutsy, but it, let's not get carried away. It wasn't like it was a playoff matchup. So, right. Uh, my Packers friend. Said she was wearing a Packers shirt last night when Aaron Rodgers got hurt and was carted to the locker room, took the shirt off, and then he came back in. And she has now vowed to never wear that shirt. So, Packers fans, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> that did it. That was yeah. sound, that's sound logic right there. <laughs> so we have her to thank, everyone. Good work. Did you guys see uh, Jamal Williams Hadouken? When he he did the like uh, he handed the ball off and then oh Deshaun Kaiser's the, or, yeah 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 who did I yeah. say Watson uh, yeah no Kaiser when he instead of like throwing he did the like <gasps> yeah yeah that was great <laughs> that, was, that was excellent uh, I think that worked too I think he he hit somebody with it <laughs> nothing nothing uh, made Packers fans happier to see Aaron Rodgers than witnessing the zero and sixteen Deshaun Kaiser come on and immediately look like an zero and sixteen Deshaun Kaiser hey you know what. 
it's the uh, the first W that Kaiser has where he took snaps in a game. So, so good for him. Good for him. <laughs> um, you know, also before we get into because we got a busy show for you guys, uh, but before we get into it all, we also have to if we're going to talk about the Packers Bears game that was epic and a great Sunday night game, um, we're also going to have to give some major shit to uh, John Gruden who pushed off Khalil Mack out of the out of Oakland and Khalil Mack just bald looked like the uh, the mvp defensive player of the year candidate that everyone always says he is he was a monster so oh john gruden and then he tried to save face and saying that that cleo mack clearly didn't want to be in oakland and i was like no john no john that was bad i just i uh i can't stand gruden like i <laughs> liked him in the booth he was like kind of a, a parody of himself but this whole, like, I do not support the use of analytics and, like, I'm going to choose to live in the Stone Age thing. And then, yeah, I'm going to go get A.J. McCarron. Like, I, he's, ruining, he's ruining careers. Like, this <laughs> sucks. Honestly, John Gruden is the best thing to happen to Hugh Jackson right now because he is <laughs> just the worst coach in the <laughs> NFL. But you got John Gruden over here that if he gets destroyed by the Rams tonight, it's – the echoes if. are only going to get louder. Yeah. If. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to be glorious to witness. Uh, we got a busy show for you, for everyone, all you lovely listeners. Uh, now that football is back, we've got our coveted you helped no one award is back. So we'll review the nominees for week one. Uh, then we have a new segment called trust or bust where we discuss if players are for real or just faking. And then finally, if you can only add one guy off waivers, who should you be getting? But first, the news. The worst part of the of the NFL starting is that our news segment has really just become like an injury report since that's always the major news that matters. Um, and we got a couple injuries coming out of week one. First off, Greg Olson injured the same foot that he had repaired last year against the Cowboys. Um, and there are no reports as to the severity quite yet. But resident foot surgeon expert uh, Nick mm, doesn't seem too thrilled about Olsen's prospects for the rest of the season. Is that uh, safe to say, Dr. Ginger Nick? Yeah, I mean, uh, as I as I mentioned on whatever episode that two or three ago, um, Jones fractures almost always require two surgeries. He was in a walking boot on the side, or I think he was in a boot and on crutches on the sideline, like right after it happened. Same foot. It. I don't know why it takes two surgeries. I don't know why we can't figure out how to do it on the first one. But, yeah, I think he's going to miss extended time and uh, give me all of the Devin Funches. Yeah, that's that's scary. I think the um, the Jones fracture is now like the new Tommy John surgery where it's, it, you're just sidelined. Like that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter how big of a freak athlete you are right now. It's just one of those things where you kind of just have to deal with it and – Greg Olson going down. The Panthers have dealt with this before, so hopefully that means just more targets for everyone else. Question mark. Clark has nothing to add. I, I, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Tough week for tight ends all it around. It is a tough week because the Laney Walker also suffered a dislocated ankle, which uh, in the seven-hour shit show that was the Titans and Dolphins game, uh, and sadly that has been confirmed as a season ender. So uh, and wait. There is more because Marcus Mariota also got injured that game with an elbow injury. 
though Mike Vrabel seems to think that hopefully he'll be okay. Clark, does this change Mariota or does this change the Titans passing attack moving forward, assuming that Mariota is healthy? I don't think the injury really kills him. I, I'm, I'm really worried about how they looked. They just sputtered all day, and I don't know if it, that's because there were two three-hour delays during the game or if the offensive renaissance I was hoping for might happen next year instead. Didn't, didn't happen right out of the gate, which was upsetting. Yeah, but my boy Deion Lewis looked good, got the most carries, got a touchdown, so that was nice. Yeah, the Derrick Henry train took a, took a pretty major back seat. Uh, I got to be fair. So Henry had his typical like slow bend around the corner for like 80 yards, but there was a holding call. Yeah. So like, if you do have Henry, I wouldn't panic. It's He just had it called back this week. There you go. That's comforting. I didn't watch the game, but it's comforting to know that Derrick Henry still had a play there and just got messed up by team members. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Thanks for that, Clark. That makes me feel a little better. Clark, you're doing the Lord's work right there. I've <laughs> been hating on Derrick Henry all summer. I nice. Moving on in the injury news. Oh, uh, I was just just joking with Clark. We were just, you know, sharing a laugh with four of us and now Clark, Clark, Clark. Mm, so sorry, Clark. Oh, Clark. Pour some out. Brutal injury for both the Patriots and Clark's collection of hills. Jeremy Hill out for the season with a torn ACL. Crushing. We yeah, and it was ahead. shaping up to give me hope that like, hey, this really bold call that you've just decided to stick to arbitrarily is really looking really good. And then on a kick return, he just yeah, you see it and you're just like, oh, yeah, he's not going to play again this year for sure. Which, which, and then we'll continue with the Jeremy Hill talk, but which is why the fact that Rodgers didn't tear his ACL is so flabbergasting because when you saw those instant replays, I immediately was just like, oh yeah, ACL, that's it. He's done for the season. And Becca, my wife was like, well, this sucks. (laughs) What's the point of existing? But anyways, but back to Hill. Yeah. I'm going to be very curious to see the Patriots backfield now because obviously sexy Rexy is more or less the shoe in now to be the guy. Uh, James White, good call of Clark on uh, being a pass catcher against the Texans. But Jeremy Hill was going to be that that goal line power run back that Mike Gillisley was the year before. LeGarrette Blunt has been like they they like to have someone in that specific role. Um, and I think Rex Burkett can fill that role, but I'll be I'll be interested to see if they try to make any other moves to kind of fill that that specific kind of power thumper. Maybe it's James Devlin. Nah, just let James White get some catches in the red zone. All we'll just, just call it evens. So, you know, what's interesting about that is in college, James White actually was a, a part of a power running offense, which was why in the Super Bowl, like two years ago, they just featured him on all these power runs. and Everyone was like, what the hell? I didn't know he could do this. Belichick just doesn't want to use him like frequently because he'll break down if they continue to do that. But if they need to from time to time, he can totally handle that job. Mm. But I think it's going to be Rex Goathead because he's yeah, the greatest running back of all time. It's going to be sexy, Rexy. But it does what it does do is I think it makes James White a much more viable fantasy option for the entire year. No longer is he just kind of a spot start. I think he's someone now that could have pretty consistent flex value throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, people keep drafting Duke Johnson and Theo Riddick to be that pass catching back when James White is pretty available. So 
I'd rather have him. Yeah, and he gets his touches. Uh, finally in the news slash injury report, Leonard Fournette also uh, tweaked his hamstring against the Giants, but that seems like only a minor injury. So hopefully, as a Leonard Fournette owner, I'm hoping nothing major happens because I could not deal with losing another running back. That would be too much, too much for me to handle. Still worrisome that these like small little ticky tack injuries keep on piling up on Fournette. Though I was glad when it wasn't an ankle, but still, just something to keep an eye on. Totally agree. Excellent. Yeah. I hope it means more work for Corey Grant, but I think it's going to be all Yeldon. I think it is going to be all Yeldon. Oh, I love um, me some Yeldon. <laughs> so there you go there's your uh injury roundup slash news and so Inouye beasting in monday night football just got a touchdown who's just beasting live update quincy and Nunwa. god damn it or los jets That's wow those good. those jets what a good football team <laughs> what a sam darnold becoming a star in front of our eyes uh, after he threw his first pass uh pick six then now it's only uphill. He started off at the worst possible place and then it's a rapid ascent. I mean, that pass he threw to Robbie Anderson for a touchdown was actually a very nice throw. So that was sick. It was on busted coverage. But was there anyone last week who was like, hey, you guys should totally start Quincy Anunwa? No. Should I think there it was have been? me, actually. I think it was me. <laughs> God damn it, Nick. Get out of here. This is my role. My role on the show is to be the cocky guy. Anyways, we're moving on. All right, so we're going to bring back a very popular segment from last year. Uh, the new You Help No One nominees and awards. Um, very straightforward. Every week, someone who you want to do great doesn't, and someone who you don't expect to do great does. And so they ultimately help no one. And so we nominate five people each week. Um, and this week, we have our nominees. Drumroll, Brian Fitzpatrick, who torched the Saints for 417 yards, four touchdowns, including a rushing touchdown. Kareem Hunt, who did a whole bunch of nothing with 16 attempts for 49 yards. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, who did a whole bunch of even more than nothing with seven attempts for 22 yards and then one reception for minus a yard. Deshaun Jackson, who is a part of that torching of the Saints offense, or Saints defense, with five receptions for 146 yards and two touchdowns. And then finally, our final nominee for you to help no one in week one, Travis Kelsey, who had six targets but only managed to catch one ball for six yards. So Clark, we'll start with you. Who is your nominee for the You Help No One Award of week one? I managed to start a couple of Kansas City receivers and score an accumulative two points. Excellent. Uh, so I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey. Uh, I'm going to be mean week one just to set the standard. And now he knows this is unacceptable. I need more from you, Travis Kelsey. That's good. It's good to set your kind of baseline expectations with a player early in the season so that they can only go up there, just like yeah. what uh, Sam Darnold just did. And if you'd like to come on the pod and talk about it, we'd love to have you. Be our guest. Uh, Nick, who are you nominating for the You to Help No One Award for week one? Uh, Kareem. Yeah, I've got him in, I think, two leagues, maybe, or one league. Anyway, well, he's I got him in my, like, big money league, and so that was super frustrating. Um, yeah, get it together, man. Don't let Tyreek take your goal line touches. Yeah, I, I'm picking Kareem as well. I started him in the RB1 league, uh, and he gave me a whole, I think it's four points, which is just, come on. Uh, especially in a game where the Chiefs managed to put up 38 points and 362 yards of offense. Like, you'd like to think that some <laughs> of that production would have come from uh, Kareem Hunt. 
but uh, but alas, it did not. Jordan, who's your nominee? Yeah, I'm going with Kareem Hunt because he contributed to like my only fantasy loss of the week so far, and it was a combination of Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette that just one got injured, one didn't do anything, and I was like, "Come on, guys! Like, come on, carry carry your weight." Um, so you can go to fateteams.com. We have a poll there to uh, to figure out who you guys, you our listeners, dear listeners, think. Uh, was the least helpful in week one. Currently, uh, Fitzmagic, Kareem Hunt, and Travis Kelsey are all tied. So put your vote in, and we will let you know next week who won. So there you go. So keep we can keep track of that throughout the throughout the season. And now we'll move on to trusts and busts. So we'll each give two players, players who had very big performances in week one or not so good, and kind of what our expectations are for the rest of the season uh, from these players. So I will start because, you know, I like to start occasionally. And I'm going to start with Adrian Peterson. And I'm going to tell all of you guys, Adrian Peterson is a trust for the rest of the season because this is the Adrian Peterson that I've been preaching about all offseason. When you give him 20-plus carries, he's a difference maker who has an impact. Last year, he had four games with 20 or more carries, and in those games, averaged 100 yards. He had six games with 20 or less carries, and he finished with a total, total 128 yards. 21 yards per game for those counting at home. He has a clear role in Washington, which works perfectly with Chris Thompson because Chris Thompson thrives in the passing downs, and that's not really AP's forte. Uh, I love AP against the Colts this week, and I think he has RB2, even maybe RB1 value if he continues to get 20-plus carries. I've been saying it all along, and it happened, so pat on my back. If AP continues to get a solid workload, trust him. He will perform, but if it drops below that 20-carry threshold, then uh, he's not worth a start. So there you go. Yeah, I think Peterson looked good. Old janky legs out there. Not quite as quick as he used to be, but plenty of work to go around in that offense. Uh, and he's going to get the volume. So I'm with you. I need uh, I need like three consistently good games out of AP. Because last year he went over to the Cardinals and that first game in a Cardinals uniform, he was balling out. And everybody picked him up and thought he was going to be a good start. And then it kind of just... The wheels came off a little bit. So if he can stay consistent for a couple more games, then yeah, I could buy in. Yep. I, I'm I'm feeling that too. So I didn't I didn't get to watch this game. Uh, but he had some receiving yards for the first time in his career. In forever. Yeah. And he had like 70. I think one was a, like a 65 yard yeah. uh catch. What happened on that play? Was that a fluke or did he like successfully do a receiving thing? He looked good. It was a screen pass that he just kind of made some people miss. I mean, the thing with AP is it's just getting the ball in his hands early, then he just treats it like he's running with open space, which is exactly what he did, and and it was successful. Jordan, to your point, I'm bringing up stats and information right now. When he first went to Arizona, in the span of three games, he busted off two massive performances, and and then he slowed down a little bit, but that was just because the touches weren't there. So... Keep them touches up in Washington, and he has shown that he can continue his production. So stats and information backing Pete Rogers up. Are we sure the touches weren't there because he just was sucking and they didn't want to give him the ball? (sighs) I think he broke down. That's your narrative, bro. He is, he is whatever, 33 years old. Like the way he runs, uh, injuries are eventually, he does have to be a little careful about himself. But 
anyways, I'm trusting AP moving forward. Uh, Jordan, let's hear your first trust or bust for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, my first trust is, I mean, coincidentally, he was in our previous segment. Um, you helped nobody, Travis Kelsey. Um, it was just not his day. He had six targets and only managed one catch out of it. Uh, I, I think it'll just take a little bit more for him to get a get bit of a rhythm with Patrick Holmes. Um, and because Tyreek Hill was taking all the targets, like hashtag big plays only for Tyreek Hill. And he was just throwing the ball up in the air. I think when, um, when Travis Kelsey needs to be more available that uh, he will get more, more looks as soon as he develops that chemistry with Pat Mahomes, same thing kind of for Kareem Hunt as well. It's just, one of those things, it was just working between uh, Holmes and and one really good wide receiver. So they just kept on feeding it that to that uh, that well. Yeah, um, I, I think that uh, I think that's spot on, Jordan. They, I think they're just still working on their their rapport. And I think it's the same thing for Sammy Watkins for what that's worth. But um, Kelsey did that one. Yeah, um, we all kind of put some eggs in that basket, or at least you and I did. Beat. Um, oh, and but, so did Clark. Never forget. All right, yeah. Um, Clark started the basket. He wove it. <laughs> he did. Uh, Kelsey did finish the game with the uh, second highest target total on the team. So he's he's still definitely a focal point. But I mean, I think Mahomes is just finding it a lot easier that if he can just loft a ball to Tyreek Hill, that guy will do the rest. And so he's going to work with that for a little bit. Yeah, you don't you don't stress about. Travis Kelsey. He's a hundred. I trust him to hundred percent rebound and still be a vital part of that offense. He's too talented not to be. So worry not Travis Kelsey owners. And again, any tight end not named Gronk just had a rough week this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, Clark, let's hear your, uh, give us one of your players for this week. We'll stay with the same game. And I just want to make sure that we talk about the man who had the best day in the national football league, Tyree kill. I don't think that there's a wide receiver that I would not trade straight up for Tyree Kill. Yeah. He looked amazing. I feel like I owe the world an apology for Tyree <laughs> Kill because I have been underrating him all offseason and expecting him to take a step back and just not be as an explosive a player as he was last year. But who, man, if week one was like a sign of anything, I was dead wrong. Uh, he is insanely talented, and it seems that defenses just can't stop him, and he just makes big plays no matter what. So my apologies to all you Tyreek Hill truthers uh, who I offended. I, I was wrong. I think Ty- – I made this point yesterday with some friends. I was like, I think Tyreek Hill is the fastest person I've ever seen in pads and with a football. Like, he just looks like he has superhuman speed. It's fitting that the Chiefs are dressed in red with a little bit of yellow because he looks straight up like the Flash and a superhero out on the field. He's just flat out faster than anybody on the field. It is At absurd. all times. It is absurd. Yeah, I uh, there was a, a turnover or something that happened, and the, the play got called dead, but I remember... I think Mahomes threw a pick or something, but anyway, Hill was chasing down the ball carrier, and he just looked like he had, like, cheat code speed. Um, but I, I saw something floating around on Twitter today. He got clocked at a, uh, 10.1900 meter dash, I think in, in high school and, uh, the like fast track runners for, for, uh, 
for foot, the, like the football player conversion, a fast hundred meter is ten five. He went ten one nine. Like just ridiculously fast. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Team USA, you, you got guys on there that are running like a nine 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 eight. He's he could be the fastest guy in a few countries. Yeah, yeah, and it's his third year as a wide receiver. His first year, he was just blazing speed. Last year, he did some good things as a receiver. And in this game, we saw him actually play wide receiver, and no one could catch him. I just don't – I know it's one game. Try not to overreact to one game, but I don't see how he doesn't finish in the top three as wide receiver. I just don't he, – he will. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched – all the highlights of it and i was just like oh god damn it i have made a huge mistake <laughs> in in ignoring him in my leagues a but- little bit of a little bit more track nerdology here i believe on sports center this morning they were talking about tyreek hills just his like sustained speed because they kept on throwing up the clock on there like how many miles per hour he's actually running i believe i can't remember if it was in high school or college that he ran like a 20 second 200 meter dash that's like 20 or 21 and that is olympic speed he should probably go be on the u.s olympic team that's amazing um all right nick let's hear one of your players from this week um okay so this one i feel like i'm doing to sort of atone a little bit i I was uh in print and on one of my teams really high on kenny stills coming into the year um, I projected him to be the number one receiver for the Dolphins because Gase refuses to play Parker in the position he should be in, which is as a slot receiver. Um, but I just I had a difficult time pulling the trigger on, on stills and drafts just because there were other guys around him that I liked a little bit more. But this dude is legit. Um, uh, Evan Silva was talking on Twitter about uh, Parcells had a term for uh, guys who were stopped due to the, the success of another player. They called them progress stoppers. And he was basically saying uh, Jarvis Landry was Kenny Stills' progress stopper. Like the only reason that we didn't see this guy breaking out previously was because we had one of the best, uh, you know, short area possession receivers, slot receiver, whatever you want to call them, uh, in the NFL ahead of him. Uh, Stills can take it to the house on any route. He's he's great deep. He's great in the short field. And the biggest thing is that the, the Dolphins, per Warren Sharp, who's my uh, schedule god, um, they've got the easiest pass defense schedule in 2018. There's no reason that this is going to stop. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, uh, especially with just the amount of volume that Jarvis Landry was taking up in his years um, with the Dolphins. Kenny Stills. I would say it was probably just hard for him to get going and really start rolling because as soon as he might make a play, they're probably going to Jarvis Landry like three consecutive times right. before Stills is getting a look again. And I don't know. That game, for me, I have another guy coming up from that game for a bust. And I, part of it is hard to judge because that game took like seven hours to complete. But Kenny Stills still looked good regardless. Matt Stafford just got squeezed like a tube of toothpaste in between two defensive linemen and is yep. down. Clark! Yep. And Blunt went to the locker room with what might be a knee injury, too. 
Okay, well, Should I stop doing game updates? Is that annoying? No, I'm okay. annoyed because I need Matt Stafford to like be halfway decent tonight. Oh, he's been killed tonight. No, I I know. When before we started the podcast, he was already two interceptions deep and giving me negative points. So the last thing I need is him to get injured, and then I'm just stuck with a minus two point performance. Also, because I don't want Matt Stafford to get injured. Matt Stafford, don't get injured. You're a good quarterback, and I enjoy watching you play. Those New York Jets. What a great football team. <laughs> This is going to be the most painful part of the podcast for the rest of the season. Is the Jets going to be halfway decent and Jordan taking every opportunity to remind the world of how good they are? No, it'll just be fun if they're good. They're kind of like the New York Knicks in that they're always a train wreck, but on that off chance that they're good, it's a little bit more exciting. It's true. I do. I did enjoy those years, the early 2000s when the Patriots Jets rivalry was in full blast. Or God, before Rex Ryan was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Back when it was like legit and, and their defense was rock solid and Mark Sanchez was like, oh, actually maybe a serviceable quarterback. And we didn't all realize that he was a joke as well. That might have actually been late 20, 2000s. I don't remember. I was like seven, or like 09. Yeah, so that was definitely late 2000s. I'm thinking, yeah. Jordan, stop pumping your goddamn fist. What's happening? That was a punt return touchdown by the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> God Robert. damn it. He might have stepped out of bounds somewhere, but still, that looked good. This, oh, man. You're like... You must be 15 seconds ahead of me. I'm like, what? Incomplete pass? <laughs> <laughs> well, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> this Jets fandom is going to kill me. Let's do uh let's let's uh, emulate draft strategy here and let's snake it. Nick, give us your uh your second player that you are trusting or busting for the rest of the season. Okay, my number 2 guy is Alex Collins. Um and if there's any chance that your league owner will give him up, go get him. He came out hot out of the gates, rumbled for a touchdown, and then fumbled shortly after. He got benched for the rest of the first half, which is like, you know, that's what happens in, uh, with, uh, with, with Harbaugh. He'll, he'll do that if, if you fumble. Uh, second half came around, and the Ravens were just blowing the Bills out. And so they benched him, which, which shows us that they want to feature him. They want him to be healthy. So they benched him. They put Kenneth Dixon out there. He busted his knee. Um, which is super sad because I was a Dixon truther back when he was at the combine tearing it up. But um, anyway, Alex Collins is going to be the featured back in this offense. And this offense actually looks really good, which is kind of weird to say, but it looks really good. It's loaded everywhere. And anyway, yeah, Collins is going to go back to averaging almost like 20 touches a game. Going to be knocking heads. Go get him if you can. Yeah. That Ravens offense was looking legit. Joe Flacco looks far more focused and and on point. And if he is, if he and that passing game are effective, it's just going to open up so much space for Alex Collins to operate. And since Alex Collins was already having success running the ball last year when the Ravens passing attack was hot garbage. Yeah, with some other teams, I'd wonder is this just that the Bills are so bad, but the Ravens have shown that they can be competent. And so they may just be competent and they killed a Bills team that is the early front runner for the overall number one pick. Uh, but even if they're just competent, where we were taking all of these guys in drafts, they're going to be great values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Alex Collins. That I like that he was able to get back onto the field and they didn't just bench him and forget him like that. That's a good sign. At least they, it seems like they want him to be the guy. Yeah. 
No, it's it's a good sign moving forward. Nick's right. If you can get him, if you can coax one of your uh, fellow league owners that yeah, Alex Collins is a bust or that the Ravens' offense is only good because the Bills' defense sucks, uh, sneak, steal him out from under someone. Uh, all right, moving back in the order. Clark, give us your second player, uh, your trust or bust. So this is a person who had a wonderful game. Five targets, five catches, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. Deshaun Jackson in the great Tampa Bay and New Orleans shootout uh, did not have much action on this in DFS. So a little disappointed. <laughs> a little uh, upset. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, I think while Fitzpatrick is still playing quarterback, that you, you start Deshaun Jackson. So you've got two more weeks. And after that, I think the carriage turns back into a pumpkin it's over <laughs> until Jameis returns. And then it's no longer this crazy, crazy yeah. bearded man ripping shots downfield. Well, uh, didn't, I think Deshaun Jackson is in the concussion protocol right now too. I think the real story from that game is actually how good the um, Tampa Bay pass catchers looked like uh, Mike Evans looks like he's ready to have another good season. Uh, Chris Godwin, We've been singing his praises all offseason. He got into the end zone. Um, Cameron Brait, he wasn't all that good, but O.J. Howard, OJ Howard. Cut, picked up some of the slack. And, yeah, with, with Fitzpatrick, I, I think he's good for, like, one really great game whenever he gets a chance to go in. I think there was a little bit of a nobody-believes-in-us factor. And, I, I don't know, don't pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick to just start being your starter all of a sudden thinking he's going to put up 50 points every week. Also, the Saints defense, after being so good and the tail end of last year and giving us all this hope that we would no, it would no longer be the laughing stock of the NFL, way to, way to just come crashing back down to earth. Good job. Way to start 2018 right, you guys. Yeah, I think we're back to starting everyone against the yeah. Saints. Yep. Yep. No longer are they any kind of defense that you should be worried about, it seems. So take that run with it there's a trust that i believe in uh all right jordan give us your second player uh my second player i messaged you guys this on slack marcus Mariota. um i have him locked as a bust candidate uh at this point he needs to string together at least six games of three touchdowns and 300 yards passing for me to start believing in him again um putting him on my uh player i need to quit list I always just have him as a backup. I played him this week in a league uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo was playing against a literal house of chainsaws. And Mariota had 100 yards passing, two picks, and you'd think he'd make up some of that yardage on the ground. But no, he only had three rushes for 15 yards. And I know this game took like seven hours to complete lightning delay that can throw you off even a small thing we saw in the super bowl a few years back like the lights going out in the stadium that can totally swing things but Mariota, he hurt his elbow he said for a little while there he lost feeling in his right hand and i feel like if you're a titans backup qb you're just always ready and on call like you definitely have to be warmed up and not always holding that clipboard because marcus Mariota, i just feel like his a little fragile, like he's probably going to get hurt a few more times. And yeah. that's just not good. And I, I'm mad. I'm mad at him. Sounds like it's times for Titans backup quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. 
to get ready to go. I, he saw a few snaps already, so. But you might hope for um, just negative so, two out of Matt Stafford. Why? Why? What happened now? We have another interception in the God. contest. Matthew. Gosh. Matthew, why do you do this to me? Um, so, hey, from uh, Jordan, from what I saw, it was, uh, it was like a, a nerve issue on the elbow. He just kind of like pinched his nerve in the elbow, which from what I was, I was reading um, pro football doc, and he was saying it should clear up pretty quick. But um, I think like regardless of if he gets healthy, we still have cause for concern as we had uh, read towards the end of the preseason. He was struggling to pick up the playbook. I'm worried. And also Tajay Sharp's running as the number two. I saw that. I made sure to grab Taewon Taylor in a few leagues, and oh, I didn't play him at all, but he had zero points. I'm like, what's going on there? He was so good. I know. I don't understand that. I, yeah, Taewon and I have a tough relationship. Guys, clearly what needs to happen is we were so successful with our last Titans campaign about getting Mike Malarkey fired. We need to start a new Titans campaign that is make sure Matt LaFleur isn't effing this all up and is actually going to instead put institute an offense that's going to be successful. So uh, we're starting the petition now. Uh, we're going to think of a better name than make sure Matt LaFleur institutes an offense that's good. Uh, but but we'll have success again, and we'll bring the Titans back to glory. I think what we really need is a Titans intervention. Like We all collectively need to stop paying so much attention to the Titans for fantasy purposes. That is also very fair. Not until they prove, it, prove us wrong. From here point on, we're putting the kibosh and Titans conversation outside of their running backs. We can only talk about Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. And outside of them, we can't talk about anyone else until they put up a game that is so astronomically impressive that we would be actively doing a bad job at reporting and doing our jobs, uh, not by talking about them. We apologize, Titans fans, but you know, tell your team to do better, and then maybe we'll talk about them. Uh, all right, my final player is Philip Dorsett, and I hate to sound like a Mr. Positive Homer here, but I think Philip Dorsett has a legit role in this offense. Uh, he had a really strong camp and has Brady's trust, which in New England is like having one of those Willy Wonka golden tickets. Uh, in this game against Houston, he was third on the teams in targets behind James White. Like I said, nice, cl- nice call, Clark uh, and Gronk. Uh, and was second on the teams in yards with 66 with Edelman still suspended. The Patriots don't have a lot of pass catchers and anyone who can get open consistently and catch the ball has fantasy value in New England right now. Um, And then if you look at their schedule, obviously they play the Jaguars in week two and that's going to be a tough schedule. That defense is still just as legit as ever. Um, But after that, they play the Lions, the Dolphins, the Colts and the Chiefs, none of whose defenses scare me, Um, particularly as we're watching live. Um, Sam Darnold picking the Lions defense apart. Yeah, I'm that guy that drafted Julian Edelman in a few leagues just to get him back for when he's suspended. But oddly enough, Philip Dorsett seems like he should be a handcuff wide receiver to fill the void of Julian Edelman until he gets back. I really like Philip Dorsett because I like anyone with a pulse that plays on New England's offense. There it is. That's the so, I know this is weird as the, the half – Patriots have Seahawks fan here, but I'm a little cooler on Dorsett. Um, Hogan got like no work, and I think he's still the number one guy there. And I won't, I, I guess I expect more of the targets to shift back over to him rather than stay with Dorsett and with the Jags defense on deck. I 
have a tough time buying into into Dorset. Like I guess if I had Dorset, I might think about trying to trade him because I don't think that I would start him this upcoming week against the Jags. And I also expect Hogan to bounce back. But and and you know, he's got kind of a limited shelf life with Edelman coming back too. I might get a good value for him. See, I'm not so sure about all of that because so f- first of all, Chris Hogan had five targets um and only one catch for eleven yards, which as Chris Hogan as yeah. one of my many hills. Thanks. Yeah. Chris Hogan. Yeah. But, um not not the best uh hill to be residing on currently, but so I don't think it, it wasn't like a Chris Hogan was just out. So like the the targets were still spread about. I think the biggest thing is, is that Philip Dorsett's role is going to evolve and could evolve when Edelman comes back. I feel like the Patriots, and they do this with their running backs too, they have very specific roles that they like to put their players in. And as long as you can do like three things that fit into that role, you will have success. I'm not saying that Philip Dorsett is as good a receiver as Brandon Cooks, but we've seen in the past where the Patriots have this role of just this speed threat who pushes the t- takes the top off the defense, and if any kind of defense has slow corners or has push brings safety downs in order to cover Gronk and it's single man coverage, they're willing to just kind of jack it and let that person make plays. I think Philip Dorsett has shown he showed flashes of that last year with Cooks. Now, without Cooks, I think that role could be entirely his. I'm not saying he has anything more than flex value, but I think he is someone that you can have on your roster and comfortably play him uh, and get a, a 10 comfortable starts out of him in your flex. Okay, Chris yeah. Hogan played lacrosse. <laughs> Did he? Jimmy Graham played basketball, too. It's crazy. What? All these, these guys are all so athletic. I feel like I should know that. They're playing multiple sports. So athletic. Jimmy Graham also a very potential nominee for Yelp. No one. Come on, Jimmy. Aaron Rodgers goes ball Zerko and starts chucking the ball around. And Jimmy Graham doesn't get a single touchdown. You know what? To be fair, and I made this point in a column today that two out of three Rodgers uh, touchdowns came from well outside the red zone. Very so fair. That's it's another Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. thing where he's like he's just got to get some. Um, some good rapport with the quarterback to be valuable in between the twenties right now. He's strictly a red zone target and they didn't really need him there. That is fair. Uh, so there you go. After a exciting week one, some guys who were trying to moderate our expectations or in some cases, wildly claiming that they're going to be fantastic players. You should add them on and do everything possible to get them onto your team. Finally, before we go, uh, if you can only add one guy off waivers, who are you adding? Let's start with you, Clark. Who's your player? Philip Lindsay. If you can get a starting running back 15 weeks, you gotta he's the guy to pick up this week. Uh Jordan, who you got? I got the red rifle himself, Andy Dalton. Um, I think the Bengals offense can look really good. Um, you saw they clearly have a complete back in Joe Mixon. Um, AJ Green podcast favorite we love him John Ross looks like he's um, able to do a little bit more and I think Andy Dalton he's probably not going to have the highest ceiling of all quarterbacks but he can step in and have a pretty low floor Um, I'm guessing like 20 to 25 points from him on a weekly basis which is pretty pretty good especially when you got guys who are putting up two or three point games you talk about Matt Stafford here I'm you talking throw exactly it. about that stuff. <laughs> throw some shots. Thanks. And, and Mariota. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was very pleased to see after I gave some advice to people about starting John Ross being like, yeah, sure, go ahead. He could be something. John Ross gets one catch for four yards and a touchdown. So still fantasy viable lad, this week. Well done, me. So my one guy, if I could only add one person off of waivers, it's and he's someone who's probably not available in your league. But if he is, you got to go get him. Uh, Greg Kittle, 49ers tight end. You got to add him now. Thank me later. He led the 49ers in targets. He led them in catches. He led them in receiving yards against the Vikings Sunday. He's proven himself to be Jimmy GQ's go-to guy. He's available in roughly 25% of Yahoo leagues, um, so he's definitely popular. But if you can get him on your team, he's going to be a difference maker in that offense. He's going to be a difference maker on your fantasy team. I love that. He And he dropped like an 80-yard touchdown, yeah. too. Like, yeah. Um, all right, so for me, I, I've, I've talked about him a lot, but he's still really owned. Come on, people. Like, shouldn't my voice be swaying the, the populace? This way? You, uh, did, John Brown. you did correctly nail the Quincy Inunua if we, That's were, true. If we refer earlier. And Greg Olson's injury. Um, but, <laughs> Nick's sorry, just Greg. riding high right now. Yeah, I really am. But John Brown, he, uh, he had 44 yards, I think, and a touchdown. I, I thought he was going to be the number one. It looks like Crabtree might be. But – the guys owned in 20% of Yahoo leagues. If, do you guys not like touchdowns? What's going on? Go get him. Yeah, though, we talked about him last week, and he's just always one of those guys who can score a touchdown. And uh, like the Jets, who just keep on scoring touchdowns. Yeah, Crowell <laughs> scored, and Keith somewhere felt an mm. attack on his spidey sense. He might be super available, too. He just scampered for 62 <laughs> big ones. Crowell? Yeah. yeah. It's just this an avalanche at this nightmare. point. Though. This game is my <laughs> goddamn nightmare. Goddamn it. Well, we all knew coming into the year that the Jets were going to be a real tough <laughs> with this I did. revamped <laughs> offense and every was... player that Jordan seemed to be sending to Siberia. Yeah. <laughs> I was all high on Isaiah Crowell. I drafted him in one of my leagues, and then I dropped him because I was like, nah. Do I really trust the Jets offense? And what do you know? Now he puts up two touchdowns. Anyways, this is the difficulty of uh, of fantasy football and why some of us play it and other of us hate to play it, which is kind of in the ladder right now. Um, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, all those good stuff. Also on Stitcher. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PDM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Follow Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Uh, we will be back at you guys on Thursday to preview week two action and give you all kinds of good start and sit advice um, for the week two. And until then, enjoy Monday Night Football. Enjoy the Jets, Jordan's Jets walloping on the Detroit Lions. And then we get the Rams pooping all over uh, the Raiders, which we're sure will happen because John Gruden's not a good head coach. And until then, uh, peace.